In September last year, the Competition and Markets Authority launched an investigation into the supply and acquisition of investment consultancy and fiduciary management services in the UK. The CMA published its working paper on trusty engagement with investment consultancy and fiduciary management. The watchdog is examining the extent to which trustees are able to assess the value for money of alternative providers and act upon these assessments. My name is Alex Janio, and joining me to discuss trustee engagement with the investment consultancy and fiduciary management sectors are Caroline Escott, Policy Lead for Investment and Defined Benefits at the Pensions and Lifetime Savings Association, and Hugh Nolan, Director at Consultancy Spence & Partners. Caroline, how do you assess trustees' ability to review their investment consultancy arrangements and look at alternatives? Well, I think that the CMA's findings, in terms of there being a variation in trustee abilities to really scrutinise and hold their investment consultants and others to account on value for money and other issues was probably right. It echoes some of the findings that we've seen from TPR um, in some of their trustee landscape surveys, as well as some of our own findings and some of our own trustee surveys, that whilst there are some trustees out there who have excellent levels of investment expertise, who are fully able to get to grips with what can be really complicated issues, particularly when you're thinking about potentially the decision to move to a fiduciary management arrangement. There are others whose levels of trustee knowledge and understanding, or TKU, might not quite be where it should be. One thing that I thought was really interesting in the CMA's findings was that it echoed the fact that this variation was perhaps a bit more pronounced in smaller schemes. Whilst we see that there are smaller schemes who are very able to um, think appropriately about the decisions they're making, including on the investment side. I would say that sometimes for some smaller schemes, we see that in terms of their access to the right kind of governance arrangements, the right kind of day-to-day support structure, that they might not necessarily have the resources to do this. The investment decisions trustees have to take are very complicated and it's hard to judge uh, professionals in the field who can have a tendency to to trust uh, that they can blind those trustees with science whenever things get a little bit too complicated and and come out badly wrong. Uh, So I've seen cases where an investment manager will quite happily explain good performance as being a result of their skill but then uh, explain bad performance away as being a failure of the market or perhaps subject to constraints the trustees have put on them in terms of restrictions to what they can invest and so on. Uh, And I think it's hard for trustees as lay people sometimes challenge that. Uh, it's absolutely right to say that that differs between different schemes and there's a there's a huge variation. Some trustees are very good at assessing and challenging investment managers and, and fiduciary managers. Uh, and I think for me, the key thing is having advisors in the room who can help you with that process. Uh, so we see, for example, a lot of trustees will rely on their scheme actually to give an in- independent view of the investment management performance. Uh, and they'll also look at professional trustees increasingly. That we see more and more schemes have got professional trustees on the board or even comprise the whole trustee board which gives you an understanding of what that expertise can bring to a combined effort. Uh, It certainly seems to me that the increased professionalism of trustee boards is helpful uh, but I don't think we should underestimate the power of a member nominated trustee sometimes asking what others might be scared to show a bit of ignorance or a bit of a a lack of understanding. The simple question about explain to me why this works in words of one syllable can be extremely powerful. Sure. I mean, the CMA has found that on most counts, levels of trustee engagement are lower with fiduciary management than investment consultancy. Um, Hugh, why do you think this is and how do you view trustee engagement generally with fiduciary management? 
I, I think there's a couple of reasons why this happens in practice. Uh, firstly, fiduciary management is a fairly new and immature market, and that means that people who've made the move into it have done so fairly recently and perhaps don't yet feel the need to have the same active review as they've had of their traditional arrangements. I think also people put a lot of effort into choosing the right manager to start with and therefore perhaps feel it will last for a little bit of time before needing to be actively reviewed. Uh, there's also an issue that uh, some of the smaller schemes that take this on board have done it to really uh, abdicate some of the responsibility that trustees are small schemes as Caroline and the same I've already highlighted uh, don't actually have the expertise to do these things themselves so they have a degree of trust in their provider to hand over those reins and say you said you can do this job we've appointed you to do this job now get on and do this job and we'll review it you know infrequently but perhaps more robustly every five years rather than trying to keep on top of it every every annual uh, review they might otherwise do uh, and then finally the point I think is that uh, switch a fiduciary manager is more expensive than just shuffling around investment strategy generally. It tends to happen in one go. Uh, the dealing costs can be higher uh, and the advice costs can be higher as well. So that again intimidates people from spending that cost without an expectation it's going to provide some value in return. That's right. And I think um, that when I've spoken to trustees and they've told us about how they approach the decision to try to go into fiduciary management, it's important not to underestimate how much time and resource trustees of all kinds of schemes have to put into even making this basic decision. So I spoke to one professional trustee who sits on a number of boards and he said that every time they look at making this decision or thinking about making this decision, he ensures that his trustee board has a couple of days of training, that they have regular catch-ups in the run-up to the actual meeting where the decision will be taken. So it takes up a lot of resource. And again, you just have to um, think about whether or not smaller schemes or schemes which aren't necessarily run in the most um, effective way are able to do this kind of um, decision-making to start with and then thinking about monitoring and switching and sort of going on. And there are some specialist providers in the market who will not provide fiduciary management services themselves, but will independently review the arrangements you have in place with whatever provider you've selected. Uh, so you can get both selection advice and monitoring advice from an independent third party, which for those schemes who don't have the expertise themselves can buy it in. Again, the expense of doing so might prevent them doing it on a continual basis, but it does mean they can review it periodically to make sure they remain happy. And I think the key thing for me is that trustees who've gone the fiduciary management route tend to be very happy with the decision they've made, they're very comfortable with the service they're getting uh, and therefore perhaps don't feel the same need to actively review it. Now I still think that it's important to do that review uh, periodically to make sure that things don't drift away from what you've bought into but customer satisfaction is very high and that's another reason why people don't feel the need to be doing that constant reviewing and, and constant challenging at every single moment. Yes, certainly when we looked at the decision uh, of the FCA to refer the sector, including fiduciary management, to the CMA, we supported this because lots of our members had had concerns about the potential for misalignment in the sector. But at the same time, a lot of our members told us that they were very happy with their fiduciary management arrangements, that they thought that there were some benefits to having a fiduciary management service in place with someone who was their existing, their incumbent investment consultant who had a real knowledge of the industry. I think it's important for the CMA investigation to have taken place in order to try to address any of the concerns and to really have a 
deep down fundamental look at the structure of the market, um, but keen to emphasise that many of our in particular smaller scheme members say that they're really happy with fiduciary management and they really appreciate the reduced governance burdens that it can offer. Trustees who know they have their limitations to their own understanding, relying on advisors who know a bit more about it, who built up relationships of trust with those advisors over the years. So a trustee who's got an investment consultant embedded, who knows the way the scheme works, who knows the trustees individually, who's advised them for five or ten years and really got that understanding and trust with them, uh, who makes a recommendation for a fiduciary manager that happens to be his own firm, uh, will still have that trust going forward. And people tend to act professionally, that whilst there's this clear conflict of interest there, uh, I do believe that professionals in the pension industry are capable of putting themselves aside from their own selfish interest and saying it's not doing what it's meant to do, let's think about changing that. And they can do that both internally and externally in, in this sort of situation where they are advising on both sides. Well, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. And thank you both to my guests. And for more information on the CMA's investigation into investment consultancy, please visit pensions-expert.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.